Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The methods described and ideas expressed during this program have proven the impossible to be possible. At any rate, any action taken based on this information as discussed during the program? Well, I'm sorry. That's strictly at your own risk. We choose to go to the moon and do the other things. Not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It is time for us to realize that we are too great a nation to limit ourselves to small dreams. I have a dream that one day this nation will rise up and live out the true meaning of its creed. American Ground Radio with Louis R. Abalone and Stephen Pross. Three, two, one. This is American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Louis R. Abalone. So the Black Lives Matter Memorial Garden at Cal Anderson Park in Seattle mm-hmm. has reportedly been removed by city officials... <gasps> The racists. Oh, my gosh. Do they hate black people? Do they not know that black lives matter? Oh, my gosh. Well, let's march in the streets. Let's go. Let's start marching. We need our... our no, uh, no, it's not, wait, none of that what's a, whatsoever. What's a what's a garden? Why, why is there a garden there? Well, we'll get to that. Okay. But this memorial garden became overrun with crime. What? And drugs. I'm and shocked. And homelessness. Shocked. Gambling in Casablanca? I am shocked. So the garden created in July of 2020 and dedicated to the Black Lives Matter movement by the city's left-wing leadership. A garden dedicated to BLM became overrun by crime? What are the odds? uh, Yeah, right? But it's been stripped out now. That was planted during the Summer of Love. Well, the area was reseeded for grass by Seattle's Park Parks and Recreation Department. I'm not quite sure if it was seeded with love or from love or whatever, but uh, this is, uh, according to uh, several media reports, the Memorial Garden was located at a park within the mm-hmm. confines mm-hmm. of what was known alternatively as the Capitol Hill Organized Protest or the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, or as they referred to it as CHAZ. Chaz. Yeah, and, and by the way, we, we talk about there's this garden. What happened was... Basically, the people that were violating the law by blocking off streets and preventing uh, police from being able to go in the area and leading to the deaths of multiple people because of this, because they would not allow the police in. They then decided to vandalize the park and they just dug up the grass where kids used to play soccer, where kids used to play baseball. They just dug it up and started planting stuff there and considered that to be legitimate even though they didn't talk to the city council they didn't they, they didn't get permission from anybody to do it they just did it and declared this as a memorial garden well the area and the reason they didn't seek approval is they say it was purportedly at least outside of US authority it was not according to the rioters who created it and by the way had they had they actually see that's that's the thing with the rioters creating that area 
who declared themselves to be outside of the jurisdiction of the United States of America. Isn't that an insurrection? Isn't that actually treason? Well, that's what happened. There was two dozen days in the absence of any legitimate police force in this area oh, yeah. back in 2020. Yeah. You had armed criminal gangs. It was an armed rebellion inside the United States of America. Isn't that an insurrection? Isn't it that is. the definition of insurrection? So I'm assuming the FBI has tracked every one of these people oh, down sure. and their family members, and they've charged them with insurrection. They've charged them with uh, uh, basically aiding and abetting an organized crime. They've charged them with treason, right? Haven't they done that? Or No, no. No, not, not at mm-hmm. all. Okay. And, you know, it's ironic, though, that this garden was chosen to memorialize the BLM riots and the Chaz. It wasn't chosen to memorialize anything. Well, they just named it that they after named they dug it that. up the ground and stuck whatever in it they wanted but to. But it was called that by city officials. I mean, they, they the, named yes, it. Yes, the city officials did that after the vandals had already done it. They were like, oh, well, let's just legitimize this this illegal behavior. It It is just... Anyway, nevertheless, they're removing uh, this garden that was dedicated in the name name of Black Lives Matter in Seattle mm-hmm. because it became a haven for crime and homelessness. Yeah. And I mean, these are things that it's like these should be no brainers. Right. There's a reason why you have law. There's a reason why you're supposed to be the government's job is to help create order, because when you abandon law and order, what you end up with is death and destruction. The destruction of public property, the the destruction of private lives, the ending of human life. That's what happened with Chaz and Chop. That's the legacy of Black Lives Matter. But see, this was city officials are so far left there in memori- in, in this Seattle mo- in creating this memorial garden that no, even no in declaring in in ex post facto declaring that the vandals and the criminals who blocked off city streets leading to the deaths of humans and then dug up public property and declared it a garden the city was legitimizing that illegal behavior for political purposes they didn't they didn't create the garden they didn't build the garden they simply went oh um that's not illegal that's a memorial garden well, they, no, they, they planted corn yeah. and strawberries and, and hemp uh, nettle plants uh, i don't even know what a nettle plant is but okay uh but l- where i'm going with this is the city officials there in seattle are so far left that even the naacp mm-hmm. criticized this so-called garden it, he uh the naacp president daryl powell mm-hmm. uh this was in a statement saying the black community is unaware of the existence of the garden, and the garden does not represent in any meaningful sense the vast number of black lives extinguished by police violence. You know, you got to get a dig in there at uh, police officers, nevertheless. Right. Yeah, because police officers were responsible for—see, for, that's, the, that's the really ironic part about all this. They, they declared that the police were responsible for violence. And, and all of this started because the death of one black man in Minneapolis. And that's what led to the Chaz Chop insurrection in Seattle. There were 14,000 homeless people living in that area, and there was absolutely zero police presence. And so then multiple people died in Seattle. There were more people who died in Chaz Chop as a result of no police presence then there were people who died in the entire country because of the police presence in 2020. Th- that's that's the whole thing here. They're declaring 
oh, we're against police violence. Okay, so when private citizens kill other private citizens, that's okay. You're in favor of that because that's what this led to. Declaring that the police were the enemy led to the deaths of other people and more deaths than you thought you were preventing. That's that's where all of this is really so frustrating because we knew this was going to happen at the time, and we said so on this show. But see, we are, again, this is emblematic of communities that disregard their laws. We're a nation of laws, not of men. We say that, but we say that for a reason. And if you look at the states where folks have out-migrated from the most, Mm -hmm. they're largely those blue states where— The government abandoned the only job government has, which is to secure the rights of people to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I mean, in California, they're not even prosecuting, for example, Mm -hmm. they're not even prosecuting folks who steal, what, up to $1,000 in merchandise, and yet—and now you are— effectively created these food deserts because california has refused to protect the liberty and pursuit of happiness rights of business owners of grocery store owners of of the people that are providing medicines to those communities the city and the state have said you know what we're not going to protect those people's rights instead we're going to protect the rights of people to steal and, and you're like, well, gosh, this just led to more crime. Who could have seen that coming? And then businesses leave your community and they take their employees and their families. But you know what? Getting rid of a garden and replanting some grass, that'll solve it. Let's get to the top three things you need to know before tomorrow. First thing you need to know before tomorrow, the Colorado Republican Party is appealing that state Supreme Court ruling, barring former President Donald Trump from being allowed on the ballot. They're appealing it to the U.S. Supreme Court. The state GOP is arguing that the Colorado ruling is the, quote, greatest election interference case in U.S. history and represents a grave attack on millions of Americans' fundamental right to vote. The Colorado court ruled that President Trump couldn't be on the ballot because he participated in and incited a riot. But the former president has never been charged or convicted of either of those things, meaning the Colorado Supreme Court has completely changed the nature of due process for all American citizens. Well, obviously... Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. This is not going to be upheld by the United States Supreme Court. You However, say obviously. Well, hold on. This is the same Supreme Court that refused to get involved when Texas said Pennsylvania did not file the, follow their election laws, and that changed the outcome of the election. Well, nevertheless, the decision by the Colorado Supreme Court has been stayed mm-hmm. until January 4th, allowing the Trump attorneys to appeal to the United States Supreme Court. Second thing you need to know before tomorrow, Georgia, a judge in Georgia has approved new congressional maps in that state. The Republican-controlled legislature was ordered by the court to redraw the state's boundary lines for the Congress, state, Senate, and state house to include more minority-majority districts. 
In the maps passed by the state legislature, the legislature did add an additional minority-majority district for Congress, but will likely keep the 9-to-5 advantage Republicans have statewide. That's because the legislature carved the new district out of existing Democrat-controlled areas, preventing Democrats from getting the thing they wanted most, an extra seat in Washington. You know, I still have such difficulty having a conversation about drawing district lines Mm -hmm. on race alone. Uh, Again, I think the Supreme Court got the the, um, Alabama decision completely wrong. And the third thing you need to know before tomorrow, Congresswoman Lauren Boebert announced she will not seek re-election to Congress in Colorado's third congressional district. Instead, she's planning on moving to the exact opposite side of the state, the east side, east of Denver, to run for election in the 4th Congressional District. Boebert has been a big target for the left, is often labeled as a far-right uh, and Trump loyalist. Boebert has had a difficult year personally, going through a divorce, then getting kicked out of a theater while on a date with another man because they were behaving inappropriately in a public setting. Polls were showing that she would have had a very difficult time getting reelected to the 3rd District, but the 4th District is much more conservative-leaning. Okay. I mean, you know, I, I, that works for her. Uh, I'm not sure. You're listening to American Ground Radio. Welcome back to American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Louis R. Abalone. I just don't understand how you can answer this question without mentioning slavery. Okay. How in the world can someone be asked the question mm-hmm. what was the cause of the civil war mm-hmm. and you not couch the answer somewhere in there yes with a reference to slavery i'm not sure you can i don't not well nikki not haley, accurately nikki haley certainly did mm. uh she was at a town hall in new hampshire okay uh earlier this week and she was asked that question take a listen What was the cause of the United States Civil War? Well, don't come with an easy question or anything. I mean, I think the cause of the Civil War was basically how government was going to run, the freedoms and what people could and couldn't do. What do you think the cause of the Civil War was? I'm sorry? I'm not running for president. I mean, I think it always comes down to the role of government and what the rights of the people are. And we I will always stand by the fact that I think government was intended to secure the rights and freedoms of the people. It was never meant to be all things to all people. Government doesn't need to tell you how to live your life. They don't need to tell you what you can and can't do. They don't need to be a part of your life. They need to make sure that you have freedom. We need to have capitalism. We need to have economic freedom. We need to make sure that we do all things so that individuals have the liberties so that they can have freedom of speech, freedom of religion, freedom to do or be anything they want to be with she has absolutely no idea. She didn't mention for now. She she didn't mention slavery. Now, if she had said, "Look, government's job is to secure the liberty of the people," and the problem was that pre-Civil War, the government was not doing a job of securing the liberty of slaves in this country. They were not doing the job that needed to be done where the government's supposed to be securing the freedoms of everyone. If she had said something along no, those lines, she didn't lines, even mention states' rights. Because folks that say, no, it wasn't over slavery, they'll always mention, they'll always make the point that it was over states' rights. She didn't even, she did not even make that argument. But the problem with that argument is they wanted the right to have slavery. 
that, I, I understand. That, so it is about slavery. I, I'm not really it getting into the, the economics, the technicality. The economics. The South needed the slavery for economics reasons. Well, they needed slavery. It's I'm about just slavery. A, I'm just appalled that she's running for president and she doesn't know that slavery was the central issue. At least slave economics yeah. was a central issue to the Civil War. We got a question for American Mamas. Dear Mamas, I heard you talking about dealing with daughters-in-law, but what about the other way around? Any suggestions for dealing with a difficult mother-in-law? Well, let's ask our American Mamas. And joining us now are American Mamas, Terry Nettaville and Kimberly Burleson. Uh, before Christmas, we did talk about uh, mothers-in-law dealing with, with difficult daughters-in-law and that how the, as a mother-in-law, you need to make sure that you understand that the daughter-in-law is the gatekeeper to your grandchildren. Yeah. Uh, and, and, that, and we admitted we are the lucky ones. <laughs> we both adore our daughter-in-laws, but we do know situations. That are but not we like are that. also daughter-in-laws. Yeah. And we also know yeah. how hard it is to navigate life in a brand new family where they have different traditions they have different ways but we all different expectations different expectations um mothers of sons are a whole nother ball game those sons are their world as we know because we're mothers with sons that are our world (laughs) okay and it's very hard for a girl to come in and measure up very hard as I had that experience, and I feel like I'm I'm awesome. I you are. I went in, Kimberly. You I, are. I know. I went in. I was like, they're gonna love me. Yeah. I'm gonna. I was all. She just didn't. She, my mother-in-law. I. She. We love each other now, but it was very difficult because she judged me. I took her son away. That's in her mind. In her mind, I took her son away, and I took him to Texas. They're from Montana. Ah. Uh-huh. And that was a straw. And all apparently. I changed the things that he loved. He l- used to love to fish, but because of me, he doesn't fish. And I'm like, that was her thing. Never stopped him from. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but it, it was very hard. It was a very difficult thing. But one thing that I have learned by being a daughter-in-law, I now have a daughter-in-law, change the word from, I, I have, I'm a big believer in f- fake it till you make it or play the game. Play the game. But or it's faith like, it. F-A-I-T-H. Or faith, faith it. it. But the biggest thing is you just take those words away and use the word choice. Let it be your choice to love that mother-in-law, mm-hmm. to listen to what she has to say, understand that she's a mom and this is her world. Her sons right. are her world. Her daughter's her world. It's mostly the moms with the sons, you know. Yeah. But be aware, just find yourself a path in that. Don't take everything so personally. You know, get to the root of what the issue is with that relationship with the mother and the son, because a lot of time it's a controlling mom. Our sons listen to everything that we have to say growing up, and then they're married, and they're not listening to us anymore. <laughs> Which is the way it's supposed to be. It's the w- but it's very hard as a mom to just turn that part of it off because you are wiser. Right. You, are, you do know what you're talking about, but when they don't listen, they have to stick to the wife. They have to stick. They're a united front, and it's very hard for a mom to take that step back mm-hmm. and recognize that. Well, I think choice is such a great way to frame it because everything's you know happiness is a choice everything's a choice 
uh, Tristan, my daughter-in-law, we were just talking about this the other day because she said she has, you know, I, I recently um, went to her school and read to her kids and we had, you know, just this fun time. So people were saying to her, man, you and Miss Terry have such a great relationship. So we were talking, to, we were talking about how that's not the case a lot of times. It blows us away because we're like, how can it not? I mean, that is the ticket to everything, really. I mean, I just feel lucky. She feels lucky. And she said that she has a friend who um, her mother-in-law, they do not get along. And she uninvited the mother-in-law to Christmas. And so I, you know, I said to her, I was like, Tristan, I'm telling you, this is one of those things that I wish that moms understood that it is that if you're a mom of a son, the daughter-in-law really is. She's the ticket to see your your children, to see your son and your grandchildren. We're just lucky that we get along so well. But that daughter-in-law yes, has, has a job. She does. Yes. And I, that's why I feel so blessed. But I'm telling you, even if, you know, inside he had married somebody that I thought, no, this is not for us. That girl would never know that. She would think I adored her because I know that it is a choice. We were raised with the mom who taught us this. Exactly. We knew. So, same. You know, I have a sweet mother-in-law, but my father-in-law, <laughs> he did not. I was a city girl. He wanted a country girl. He he felt like that I changed Kevin, his country boy son, which I did not. Um, if anything, he got, he got better. But um, <laughs> I, I will say, you know, you do. You're like, oh, my God, they're going to love me because the way I love my son. But I will never forget this piece of advice that my mom gave me when I was done with his dad. I was like, I'm done. He is crazy. He is like he, he is so far from, you know, from who I am and, and his belief system is so different. She said, she said, don't say you're done with him. This is the man who raised the man that you fell in love with. He's going to be the grandfather to your children. You have to love him. You have to see past this stuff and make it work for your husband. And I never forgot that. You had to make a choice. Yes, I made that choice and it worked. And I ended up doing the eulogy for my father-in-law. And that is the thing that you both have mentioned yeah. and most people don't recognize. Love is a choice. It is. And the fact that it is a choice is what gives love value. And you're amen. right. So amen to that. And forgiveness mm -hmm. and empathy for that person rather than anger and hatred awesome is another choice. key. Yeah. Because then we, he and I became, you know, after I gave him grandchildren, he yeah. was different to me. He ah. loved me. And I was able to talk about the love that he brought to us uh, on his final resting day. If you'd like to ask our American Mamas a question, go to our website, AmericanGroundRadio.com slash Mamas and click on the Ask the Mamas button. Turn that about Kimberly Burleson. Thank you so much. Thank you. And coming up next here on American Ground Radio, we are digging deep. We'll be right back. Choosy Moms Choose American Ground Radio. It's smooth, creamy, and now contains 7 grams of protein per serving. With Louis R. Avalone and... When it comes to liberal ideology, we're not just flattening the curve. We're stopping the spread. American Ground Radio. Common Sense Radio for Common Sense People. Welcome back to American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Louis Sar Avalone. Now, some say that Secretary of State Tony Blinken and Homeland Security Secretary Alejandro Mayorkas flew to Mexico earlier this week to meet with Mexican President Obrador mm -hmm. about granting amnesty for the millions of illegal immigrants 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hey, guys. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun, too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino-style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. In the United States. Wait, for Mexico to grant grant, uh, grant him to see all those people? For the United States. Why do they have to talk to Obrador about that? Well, Obradors can't do it. Congress has to do that. Joe Biden can't do it on his own. He'll try. He can't do it on his own. Congress has to do that. What the hell does Obrador, why are they talking to Obrador about this? Well, because Obrador has a vested interest. I mean, he doesn't want to take back the illegal immigrants in right. the United States. But the, see, that's like going. He has no place to put them either. But see, that's like he going can't to. can't support them. No, I agree. But that's like going to somebody and saying, you know what? Gosh, um, we have a problem. Uh, we really want to give you just billions of dollars and and we just want to we just we, well, we're not all, legally no, allowed to do that but oh, we really want to give you billions of dollars um what do you think about that you okay with us giving you billions of dollars uh yeah i'm fine with that no there's no problem at all no problem at all y'all go no, ahead what i'm saying is blinken and Mayorkas, they're not going to the president of mexico and saying we have a problem this is part of the democrat right. party plan right but, but i look there are democrats that are not putting up with it. This is uh, this is a Chicago alderman, Brian Hopkins, in an interview on CNN, and he says, "Look, you know what? We can't support illegal immigrants in Chicago. We have no place to house them. They are a they are putting a pressure on our city services, mm-hmm. and we just can't sustain it anymore. And I'm not letting Joe Biden." Even though this is a Democrat, Tell what, just take the, a listen. Play the clip. I have to be optimistic. I, I, you know, I'm a Democrat, but I'll say the Biden administration has absolutely dropped the ball. I, I'm not going to let them off the hook. They have they have left us in the ditch with this, and that's unacceptable. What I'm hearing now is encouraging. We needed to hear this a year ago. You know, when this crisis first started in Chicago, we had a trickle that led to a torrent, and now we're spending 300 million of our own funds. That's about 5% of our federal municipal budget to address a problem that didn't even exist a year and a half ago. Where's the federal government been? Where has the Biden administration been? You know, it's not too late to do the right thing, but every day that goes by, while we let the border remain open and while we let cities try to to address this humanitarian crisis, um, it gets worse by the day. See, here's what I really and don't. That's a liberal Chicago Democrat. Here's what I don't understand. Why do cities think that they owe illegal immigrants anything? Why are they putting them up in shelters? Why are they doing all these things? The, no by, one invited them oh, to this country. And by the way, this they prob- came here illegally. Why would the government pay people to do something? Why would any government, a city government, a state government, a federal government, why would you pay people to do something that's illegal? No, but see, here's what's interesting. You've got 
this alderman from Chicago. Yep. You have New York City Mayor Eric Adams, Chicago Mayor Brandon Johnson, Denver Mayor Mike Johnston. They think this is a problem that just came up in the last year. No, no it's been a problem for all of the border states. Right. They're just dealing with it now because the border states have had enough and they're shipping them to other places in the United States. Just Texas. The other border states are still pretending it ain't a problem. Except for Arizona. Arizona is actually now acknowledging it's a problem. Tell you what, let's dig deep. Working in a coal mine, going down, down, down. Working in a coal mine, about to step down. Okay, yesterday we reported that Pizza Hut in California has already laid off 2,000 employees because the state's raising the minimum wage starting next week to $20 an hour. $20 an hour to deliver pizzas, what they think. $20 an hour to take an order at McDonald's. That's what the state of California's done. They wanted to make minimum wage jobs living wage jobs. That's the phrase they use, living wage, despite the fact that only 0.07% of people working in America are, are, who are single parents are living below the poverty line. So this doesn't really seem like it's actually going to help many people. Well, first of all, it's not just California. Right. There, January 1, uh-huh. uh, the... Minimum wage will increase in 22 states, mm-hmm. 43 cities and, and counties, a total of 65 jurisdictions where the minimum wage will reach or exceed $15 per hour for employees. And what folks don't understand, and if you look at the data, yeah, every time the minimum wage is increased, mm-hmm. people lose their jobs. Okay, and by the way, you mentioned the tw- the twenty. You said twenty two. Twenty two states. states. There are three more states that are going to raise it later on in the year. So here's the twenty five states across the country where the minimum wage will be raised next year. Some of it starts next week. Some of it later in the year. Uh, Alaska, Arizona, California, Colorado, Connecticut, Delaware, Florida, Hawaii, Illinois, Maine, Maryland, Michigan, Minnesota, Montana, Missouri, Nebraska, Nevada, New Jersey, New York, Ohio, Oregon, Rhode Island, South Dakota, and Vermont and Washington. Now, a couple of those states may surprise you. South Dakota is going from three dollars and eighteen cents, uh, sorry, thirteen dollars and eighteen cents to thirteen dollars and sixty-seven cents. Florida is going from twelve dollars to thirteen dollars. But in this list, you have the states that are losing the most population. You have the states with the lowest economic growth. You've got California, New York, Illinois, New Jersey, Hawaii. All of these states are economic basket cases, and they're doubling down on failure by raising the the minimum wage. They're going to exacerbate the pain in their state. If you look at Seattle, there was a study done back in 2017 of the minimum wage hike there. Yeah. After just nine months, they lost 5,000 low-skilled jobs. What? They just disappeared. Now, there's still 20 states that have their minimum wage set at either the federal level or below the federal level, which effectively means their minimum wage is $7.25 an hour. Let me just list the states. Alabama, Georgia, uh, Iowa, uh, Idaho, Indiana, Kansas, Kentucky, Louisiana, Mississippi, New Hampshire, North Carolina, North Dakota, Oklahoma, Pennsylvania, South Carolina, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, Wisconsin, Wyoming. Now, looking at those states, you have most of the best economic performers in America. You've got Texas, Tennessee, North Carolina, Utah, Idaho, Georgia. Really, the only top performing state missing from this list is Florida. But why don't folks understand the minimum wage was never intended to be your final wage. It's not supposed to be a living this wage. This was a way for it's you. It's a to, starting wage. This was a way for you to get your hand, to get your foot on right. that economic ladder. To get in, to get the experience so that you can get the next job. To, to, to practice being an employee. That takes practice. We're not born knowing how to do that. All right. So why is raising the minimum wage bad? 
Well, the Congressional Budget Office just released a report explaining what would happen if you raise the minimum wage to $17 an hour. By the way, the left is no longer saying $15 an hour. That's what they were saying under Trump. They're now demanding $17 an hour or $20 an hour or more. And why stop there? Attorneys make $500 an hour. Why not mandate $500 an hour for everyone? Anyway, here's what the CBO says will happen if you raise the minimum wage to $17 an hour. Number one, job losses. The CBO says you're going to lose 700,000 jobs. They admitted, though, it could be twice that. It could be 1.4 million people out of jobs almost instantly. Because it's not just people losing their jobs. It's underemployment as well. People are having to take two and three jobs because they're trying to stay. Companies can't afford to pay those high wages to full-time workers. Second, increased deficits, both nationally and at the state level. It ends up with fewer people employed, so there's less income tax coming in and more people needing government assistance, which is the second largest government expense behind interest on the debt. Third, inflation. For the companies that don't fire their employees, they're going to raise their prices, just like McDonald's has announced they're going to do starting January 1st in California. So that leads to inflation. And how do you fight inflation? By raising interest rates. So that's the fourth thing. They're saying higher interest rates. In an effort to lower inflation, the Fed will raise interest rates, which will lead to more economic problems and possibility of stagflation or even hyperinflation like third world countries experience. So, yeah, if you're against increasing the minimum wage you have no compassion but my question is how compassionate is it to increase unemployment right among the least skilled and the poorest among us republicans and conservatives have got to fight back on this we'll be back you're listening to american ground radio Welcome back to American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Louis R. Abalone. Hey, if you want to contact the show, you can send us a call or give us a text. Because, you know, the the kids today, they don't like calling. They like texting. Yeah, yeah, right? yeah. So just give us a text. 1-866-AGR-1776. That's the 866. It's like an 800 number. And then AGR. That's like American Ground Radio. That's 247. Right. And then 1776. That's the year the country was founded. It's the best number in all the radio. Absolutely. 866-AGR-1776. Anytime, day or night. Send the us best a text. number... For the best listeners. Okay, so we got a, a text from Don in Louisiana. He said, something is never discussed. How do the other employees that work those salaries feel? Lower morale, they expect to raise. Basically, he's talking about when you raise the minimum wage, okay? So we're, we're taking the lowest uh, paid workers and we're saying, okay, now you guys are up to, in California, $20 an hour. Now, if you were already making $20 an hour in California, you've been working hard, you've been climbing the corporate ladder, you're up to $20 an hour, and now somebody that's just got there is now working 20 they're getting paid 20 dollars an hour do you expect to get a pay raise too let's see let's define raising the minimum wage what that really is is a blanket pay raise no it's not well no it is well it's a it's a blanket pay raise to those who to to the only the the ones who are the least paid okay but if you look at study after study Uh that retaining an organization's best and brightest decreases whenever you have these blanket pay raises. When everybody gets a raise, nobody feels like they were special or, or singled there, out for being right, exceptional. There's a demoralizing effect on the high achievers in any organization because they feel their efforts to go above and beyond aren't recognized when those who didn't make the effort right. were rewarded nonetheless. And what you've really done is you've actually just created a bigger gap between the actual minimum wage and the skill level you need to be valuable to an employer. If the minimum wage you've set in California is $20 an hour and you're and there's people that have never worked at all, your value to an employer 
has got to go from zero because the actual minimum wage is always zero. If you're not, if you don't have a job, you're making zero dollars an hour. So that you've got to make it to where you go from zero dollars an hour to twenty dollars an hour on your first job without any experience. But see, this is also very detrimental to the business of business because yeah. if you have to pay these inflated wages, right, you have less money left over. To expand your business. To invest, to or, create new jobs, or to, to grow. Or to attract new talent. Right. Uh, it just isn't there. It's detrimental all the way around. And the minimum wage is always zero. Let's get to a bright spot. I'm doing all right. Getting good grades. The future's so bright. I gotta wear well, in 2017, Sarai Aydin won the Miss Iraq pageant and went on to compete in Miss Universe. And while inter- attending that international competition, Sarai took a selfie with Miss Israel, a woman named Adar Gandelsman. Well, that caused a big stir back home, and she was forced to issue an apology saying she wasn't stating any kind of support for the Israeli government, just that she met someone at the international competition that she thought was a nice person. A fellow human being. Still, the death threats against her and her family continued, and uh, they forced her and her family to move. Her family and She and her family now live in the United States of America. Okay. Ready for the bright spot? This week, Sarai visited Israel. She went to the locations where Hamas terrorists killed innocent civilians on October 7th. Now, remember, this is a Muslim woman from Iraq. Okay, she's seen ISIS. She grew up under Saddam Hussein. All right. She then posted the pictures uh, that she took in Israel to Instagram, some other social media platforms. And she said, I visited Kafar Aza, a place where the heart wrenching horror of Hamas's infiltration led to a massacre of innocent Israeli families right in their homes. Located just a mile from Gaza, we stood witness as the Iron Dome intercepted rockets launched by Hamas. Uh, She was wearing her old Iraqi military uniform. She said, "I, I brought my old uniform from Iraq to be mentally prepared, but I was still shocked and at a loss for words. Never in my life, not even amidst the terror of ISIS, have I seen such barbarity. What was once a vibrant community now echoes with a haunting silence of tragedy. Again, the woman writing this is a Muslim woman from Iraq who is showing compassion for fellow human beings who were slaughtered by other Muslims in southern Israel. She went on to say, I don't care what your religion is. If your God permits you to do this in his name, then your God is wrong. My mind is still traumatized by the scene, the smell of the dead bodies. Shame on those pretending the massacre didn't happen. I think this post, I know what she's covering is awful and tragic, but the fact that she's covering it, the fact that she went there, I think that's a bright spot. She is Muslim. She's not Jewish. She represented her country, Iraq, on the international stage. That's a country that used to say death to Israel. But why did she go? Why did she go? Yeah, why did she go? I mean, Because she had made a friend with Ms. Israel back in 2017, and their friendship continues until today. And she was invited there by the former Ms. Israel. I see, I see. She no longer lives in Iraq. She had to leave Iraq because of all the death threats. She lives in the United States now. 
but I, she still has the courage to speak out against the main mindset of the Middle East and to condemn those who are lying to the people about what actually occurred on October 7th. There's so many people in the Middle East going, oh, it didn't happen. It's fake news. No, that takes a lot of courage. I mean, seriously. And I mean, because she's opening herself up and and not only that, her family as well to Other, possible threats. And it's all because of a friendship she made with someone who's a different faith. But we're all human beings. I I I celebrate Sarai's courage. Sarai Idan is a bright spot. We'll be back. You're listening to American Ground Radio. Welcome back to American Ground Radio. I'm Stephen Parr with Louis R. Avalon. we got some breaking news here. The state of Maine has decided, well, not even the state of Maine, one person in the, Maine. The Secretary of State in Maine. One person in Maine has decided to remove Donald Trump from the primary ballot in that state. Uh, it is Maine Secretary of State uh, Shinna Bellows, who is likely a Democrat. Uh, she decided on her own, with nobody else, no help from anybody else, that Trump, and she said demonstrated in an insurrection at the Capitol. Well, no, he didn't. Trump was never actually at the Capitol. You can't say he demonstrated in an insurrection at the Capitol if he wasn't at the Capitol, can you? And then earlier this afternoon, only hours ago, yeah, uh, this is per a press release from the Colorado Secretary of State. Yeah. They now say they have put Donald Trump back on the ballot pending an appeal that has been filed by the Colorado Republican Party. Right. So the, the the Secretary of State for Colorado is violating the order from the state Supreme Court that decided Trump was disqualified from a presidential run due to allegations that he participated in an insurrection. And by the way, the, that Democrat does believe Donald Trump was in an insurrection, but also says, look, nothing was proven. So that's the, the Democrat in the state of Colorado is like, I think Trump shouldn't be on the ballot, but I'm putting him on. And then the Democrat up in Maine goes, you know what? I've got the power. She's like she's like He-Man all, all of a sudden. Well, He's got the power to do whatever she wants. It still is subject to whether the United States Supreme Court denies the case or affirms the Colorado Supreme Court decision. Whoa. <laughs> Back in 1972, Barbara Rico wrote a children's book. She even commissioned an artist to illustrate it for her. Then she began shopping it around, trying to find someone who would publish it. But despite her best efforts, no one ever did. So Barbara went on with her life, putting the dream of publishing the book on the back burner. She had kids, and they had kids, and things were pretty good. Then this Christmas, one of her grandsons, Chad Cooper, gave her a special Christmas gift. You see, Chad is a design and production professional in New York City, and he had his he had known of his grandmother's dream of publishing her children's book, so he did it for her. Oh wow. Took the same text, the same illustrations, got them published. What's more, that book, titled More, 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 even made the number one spot on Amazon's bestseller list. What a great story. May your pursuit of happiness bring you joy. <laughs> 